here to look at. We're going to continue, and maybe for a few more weeks, on Wednesdays, concentrating on prayer. Concentrating on prayer. And tonight we're going to look at the title of six things that can hinder your prayer. Six things. Now, there can be many more, but we're going to look at six of the main things that Scripture shows us that will hinder prayer. And we're just going to lead off with one verse tonight, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. 1 Peter 3 and 12, we're going to read this one verse. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We're asking you to open our eyes to see that, God, that prayer is the most important thing. And, God, that, Lord, you desire us to pray. You're waiting for us to pray. You encourage us to pray. You taught us to pray. And, God, it's such a powerful thing. But, God, without it, Lord, we will miss out on some of the greatest things you have for us. God, open our eyes tonight. Give us a desire that, God, we have powerful prayer, not because of who we are but because of who we pray to and God that you would anoint and move and God stir us that God great prayer Lord would spring forth from the lives of these people and God they would see their lives change as they call out on you thank you for it anoint and help this preacher in Jesus name we pray amen 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 six things that will hinder your prayers prayer is important Prayer is important. And if we go through this series, I want you to come out of this and realize how important prayer is in not just my life, but your life, the church's life, revival. Everything hinges on one thing, and that is prayer. And so God is looking to do times. There is many times in your life that there can be times that you're calling out on God and asking God to do something in your life. And you may be praying for something and over and over and maybe God's not done it. We've been praying for some things and we still haven't seen God do it. That doesn't mean that God didn't hear your prayer. That doesn't mean God isn't going to answer your prayer. That doesn't mean that it's not got a better plan or whatever. And we may look at that maybe next week. That Just more details on that. I'm not talking about that type of prayer. I'm talking about there's some things that Scripture clearly tell us. That if you let these things into your life, if you let these things harbor inside of your life, it will shut the, the ears of God. It will block prayer so that you will not be able to receive what you're asking for. And so it's so important that we realize that these there is some conditions. There is some things in our lives that can hinder prayer. We don't want that to happen. That's why this, this, this prayer movement that, we've, that we were trying to press into, it's not easy. In fact, it needs to probably be longer because we, you know, we have 30 minutes, we pray 20, and then we talk 10. So it's 20 minutes, you're just kind of getting into it with 20 minutes. And, so, and then here's another thing. If you're not taking part in it, I'm encouraging you to because it's like, 
you, you get what you put in, and it's not that's not God's not legalistic, but God's looking at those that are hungry to pour Himself out in, right? Those that are hungry for the Holy Spirit, that's who He pours into. Those that cry out to God, that's who He touches and heals. Those that come to God and humble themselves before God, that's the ones that He's drawn to. That's the one He's moving in. So we need to, when we come to the realization of how powerful prayer and how important prayer is, we realize we need to do it. We need to seek God. We need to touch God because once you realize how powerful it is and once you realize the benefits of it, you want to do more of it. You, you'll find the reason. You'll say, I want to be part of a prayer service because there is something special about corporate prayer. It's wonderful. And we, when we look at the postures of prayer or something and we see that when you're alone in your prayer closet and what the Lord told us, that's wonderful. And God moves. But there is also something when God's people get together and together we pray and call in on God in a uniform voice and say, God, we are all crying out for you to move. God moves. And so that's why this is important. If we want to see revival in this church, we want to see it in this community, we'll pray. And we'll get together and we'll, our voices will go up before God. And our tears will be flowing down our face. And God will hear from heaven and He will answer. But there is some things that hinders prayers. There is things in your life and my life. And there's some of these things that I've dealt with in my life. And almost all of them at different times. God's put a finger on me and said, that's not going to work. If you really want me to move, that's got to come out. And so, and, and it's well worth it. There is something about when you pray, and, and I'm, try, I'm trying to get in here, I promise. When you're praying, and all of a sudden, there is a connection between you and heaven. And God's glory is just flowing down over you as you pray. You have, you're not hitting the ceiling anymore, as you know what I'm talking about. But all of a sudden, that throne room of heaven is opened up, and God's glory is sweeping down. All of a sudden, man, things are different. That's where we want to dwell. And that's the reason it's so important because that's when things can happen. The devil can't stand prayer. He doesn't want you to pray. And so he is going to lead us and try to put some of these things in lives. And just one little thing he puts in there, all of a sudden he's got you where he wants you. He can cut you off, and that's why we need to look. And as we go through these tonight, let God search our hearts. And if these things, if any of these in our lives, we need to ask God to get them out. And Lord, I don't want there to be a hindrance in my prayer life. The first one is probably the most obvious one is, is the one reason that will hinder your prayer is unrepentant sin. Sure. You got sin in your heart, right. then the Lord won't hear. The Lord won't hear your prayer. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity, sin, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin separates us from God. Now, we're all sinners, and as a sinner, when we cry out for God to forgive us, He hears that. But when we as Christians, you mean a Christian can have sin in their life? And when we get saved, isn't it always uh, forever, and we can do whatever we want, and, 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 and everything's going to be okay? No. When we willingly pull ourselves and put something that is contrary to the Word of God in our life, God will deal with His Spirit, God will draw us, God will make us feel conviction, but there will come a point when God will say, I am going to pull back my hand because you know that I've dealt with you. 
There's times in your life that God will deal over sin and we feel it and we know it. But after a while, we keep pushing God and pushing God and all of a sudden the voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter. If you don't watch, the enemy will lie to you and say, well, God, don't care because I don't feel anything anymore. No, the reason you don't feel anything is because you push God back so many times that all of a sudden his presence is, hey, how's your prayer life? What's going on in your life? You'll see that unrepentant sin is very dangerous and we must let God search our heart. Lord, whatever's in my... David said, test me, try me. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Why? Because he wanted God's spirit to flow. Isaiah 59 two tells us about it too. It says, but your iniquities, there's that word, sin has separated you between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We see that in, in an example of this is someone who was dealing with sin and he knew he was wrong, but he kept doing what he shouldn't do, was, was Samson. And Samson was a judge of Israel and Samson was someone who God's hand was upon and Samson was able to do mighty great things because of, not because of his strength, I don't believe he looked like Hercules. I think that what made him so amazing, he may look like anybody else. But when God's spirit came upon him, he had incredible strength. So that God would get the glory. I don't think he looked like Atlas holding the world up. I mean, he might have had some muscles. But I guarantee you, he looked. that's why they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure out what his strength was because he can't be. He looks like me, but I can't do what he does. I can't carry gates on the, up a mountain. I can't do all these things. I can't fight these battles. They knew something was special. And what was it? It was the Spirit of the Lord. But he kept dabbling around with the world. He kept you know, running after the, the Philistine women. And he was coming after Delilah. And he kept messing around. And finally one day, it cost him. He was used to just going through the motions of shaking himself. And God's Spirit come upon him. And he would be able to do whatever he needed to do. But the enemy slowly got through and slowly blocked and hindered him. The voice of God got weaker and weaker and weaker. So finally one day he didn't even realize God was gone. Isn't that a scary thought? He shook himself again when, they, when, his, when Delilah said, they've come upon you. The Philistines are upon you. He shook himself as before and he goes out and they destroyed him. They put his eyes out and they bound him. And, they, and, his, and that was his end until the very end when he asked God one more time. When his hair started growing back out again, let me have one more. But he ended up dying. with It, it cost him everything. Why? Because there was sin in his heart. And so we don't want that to be. And so we got to make sure God search our hearts. And if there's something in our hearts that's not right, God, you cleanse it. You forgive me. And he has promised he will. He will do that. So you don't have to worry. Is there something there? God will deal with you. You know, you won't have to worry about it being something. Oh, maybe I don't know. No, just pray and ask God. If there's anything hindering my prayers, you'll know. And he'll put a finger on it. So that's number one. And number two, and the second thing that will hinder your prayer is unforgiveness. We've talked about that recently, unforgiveness, or in, in slash, I almost made it a separate point, bitterness. Yeah. The, the, listen, let me tell you something. It's so easy to let a root of bitterness get in our heart because every single day, if you're like me, every single day it would be easy for this to happen because somebody's going to do something, and sometimes it's me that's doing it to somebody else. So you, you've got to real. so if I am, please forgive me, but, the, but forgiveness is something that is so important that we don't let something in our heart that hinders the move of God in our life and also our witness to others. What am I talking about? Mark 11, 25, 26 talks about that. It says, and when ye stand praying, forgive. forgive. 
If you have ought against any, it means if you've got a, if you've got a, 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 someone has done you wrong, forgive them. That your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Hey, do, does he not have more to forgive than, than we have to forgive? Well, my goodness, I can't even count the many times that I went against him. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, here's the consequences. Neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Just like that, that example that's given in the Gospels of the, of the king who forgave the servants of such incredible debt. And yet he went out for somebody just had done a small portion of him and he wouldn't forgive. And so we see that God is saying, if I forgive you, if I took my son and gave him as, a, as the penalty for your sin and forgave you so you wouldn't even have to suffer. You get off free and clear it, because of what my son did. And you won't forgive someone else that's done something small to you. It didn't cost you your kid's life. It didn't cost you everything like it did me. And he says, forgive. So if you have something against us, we need to make sure. Ask God, Lord, there's some, it's hard sometimes. I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard. And, this, and there, was, there was an event in my life that happened. And, and I'm, usually, I'm usually very cautious of this because I know it. Because there is a feeling that comes. This one is dangerous. You've got to watch. Because I, you, if you're sensitive to the Spirit... And you're spending time in prayer. You feel something when something gets in your life and it's starting to shut off the voice of God. When it's something that God's dealing with you, you spiritually feel it, especially if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You feel that God is grieved over things. And so sometimes when somebody does something, you all of a sudden feel that, you feel this fist being... Mm, you feel you feel that makes me angry and all of a sudden you feel something and all of a sudden a caution goes up and says whoa 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 no that can't be no I don't want to go and you have to get it right then that's I'm giving you let me give you that piece of advice right then is when you got to say lord you got to help me lord you got to help me because I don't want there to be anything between you and me because my relationship with you is more important than me getting even on something else lord you forgive me more help me to be like you and so, and so it's so important. And when someone does right at the beginning, and if not, you may find something. You're thinking about it. You're worried about it. You, you, you can't get away from it. You, you need to say, God, help me. God, take that out of my heart. Lord, help me forgive. And it says that you need to forgive so God forgives you. So what happens if someone's got a, a problem with you? Is it their problem? Do you have any responsibility if someone you know has a problem? I wish I could say it's their problem, but it's not. It says in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, you do have some responsibility. It says that, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, that means he's got a grudge, he's got something against you, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. I've told you the story when God got me one time in a revival. I'd got something that I'd hid and, and for years and it was something I'd forgot all about. And God, I was praying for God's blessing and his move and his spirit. And God, and I'll make a long story short, he just laid it on me and said, fix that. And I was like, no, I can't. No, you know, especially something's been a long time. You don't want to even touch it again. No, Lord, that's old. Long story short, God won. God won. After four nights... God finally won because, but what does God say? He's, you know what God says? And he said it to me. I mean, this is what I felt in my spirit. If you want me to move like you're asking, yeah. you better do what I tell you to yeah. do. Because there is a stop 
of my spirit. I can't help you. I can't flow through you. I can't bless you. I can't do what you're asking because you are rejecting what I'm telling you. And I'm. have you ever done something like that? Your kids, you made them go apologize or you made them go do something they didn't want to do and you knew they needed to do it because they needed to learn. You can't do this and get away with it. And there's a reason. And they had to do it. And when they come back, I've done these things and joy fills their soul because they are clean. There's a cleanness that fills their heart. And so God wants to flow through you. And so he he wants us to try to make right. So if someone is really angry and they think you've, you've got to at least try. Now, let me give you this so I don't leave you hanging right there. Because does that mean in our life, if someone, if you've tried to do your part, you pray, you do all this stuff, you've tried to make things right, that you, it's, you just got to keep trying and trying and trying and trying. No, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily, you're not always going to make everybody happy. See, Paul talked about this topic and Paul is someone that on a daily basis had people wanting to kill him. So they didn't like him. And so it wasn't, it's not his responsibility to try to make everybody like you. But if you've done someone wrong, you need to try to make it right. That, does that mean that they have to accept you? No. If you've done what you need to do and you've asked forgiveness and they want, you know what you need to do from that point on? You give it to God and say, God, I've tried. If there's anything else you want me to do, I'm going to pray for this person every day. I'm going to love this person every day. But you've got to do the work because there is sometimes God has got to be the one to do the work on the other side. But you are giving a testimony of that God's done something in you because you put your, and, and many times when you say something to someone else, you'll see the wall come down. But sometimes it may not happen. So give it to God. Because Paul in one scripture, it's not up there, but Paul in one scripture says, basically do everything in your power to live peacefully with all men. Do whatever you can to live at peace. Yeah. But there's sometimes you just can't. Some people still have got a problem. So we see that there is some things that hinders prayers, not repenting of sin, having unforgiveness in their heart. Here's one that might catch you by surprise. Prayerlessness. Do you know prayerlessness will keep you? receiving what God has for you it blocks the blessings and the things that God do and James you, you know this verse James chapter 4 the end of verse 2 says this ye have not because ye ask not it's there it is ye have not because ye ask not there's going to be people that gets to heaven and hopefully gets to heaven and finds out, Lord, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I was, I, I just thought, sure, you come through that. And the answer very well could be, I was ready to do it. And you never even asked me. Right. We just expect God to do things, but we don't even take the time to ask. And so that is such a, a powerful thing that said, and it's almost, and it honestly, it, it is a sin because prayerlessness means, you know what prayerlessness is? It is a form of pride. When we don't pray about something, then we're saying to God, I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I'm not praying because I have got it under control. I don't need you. I'm just going to trust me. I'm going to see how things turn out. No. When we, we on a daily basis need our entire life needs to be, God, I need you. I need you. I, this thing that I'm dealing with, I need you. Today I'm getting ready to go to the doctor. I need you. I'm getting ready to go to, the, to, to, the, uh, to do my taxes. I need you. I'm getting ready to deal with this person, this family situation. I'm getting ready to go do what? I'm getting ready to go to church. I need you. I'm getting ready to talk to my unsaved kids. I need you. Every part of your life, it needs to be centered and surrounded by prayer. 
God loves prayer. God wants to do things in your life, but we don't ask. I was thinking of this as an illustration of this is, is, is you. Some of you all have maybe got children that don't come around as much as they should. And that's a horrible thing. I did that. I don't, don't tell mom and dad I did that a little bit. When I was younger, I, I kind of had my own life and other things, my own problems. And I went for a long time. That's why I started doing those Saturday things where we started coming home. I started feeling guilty because I wasn't going around as much as I should. And I thought, man, I need to spend more time at their house. They're getting a little bit older, and I'm getting a little older. And, I, man, I need. So, uh, so but, we, but I was thinking about a parent that loves their children. And ain't a one in here doesn't have, that's got a kid that wouldn't do anything for them. And I was thinking about that parent that's been waiting to talk to the kids for several days, and they ain't called. And you've been wondering about them. You've been praying for them. You've been thinking about them. And you've been waiting on them to call. But the phone doesn't ring. You've been sitting there because you've been wanting to pour yourself into them. You wanted to find out what's going on. You want to be involved in their life. You want to pour blessings on them. You want to let them know how much you care about them. But the phone doesn't ring. And so we are waiting for that phone to ring and that child doesn't know how much awesome things that they're missing. But they have to pick it up. And they've got to initiate that call. That's what it's like when we don't pray. God's waiting. God's got things He wants to do in your life and pour out in you and speak to you and deal with you and use you and bless you and all kinds of good things. But the phone doesn't ring. And that's what it's talking about here. We don't have because we ask not. We don't need to make that sinful mistake. We need to pray often. We need to pray believing. We need to pray big prayers to a big God and see what God will do. So prayerlessness is a problem. That next verse, after that one, tells us another thing. What's something else that will block your prayer? Carnal motives. Have you ever prayed a prayer? And it was, when you look at it, back at it now, it's just something you wanted and it was to bless you. And, it, and if you look at it now, you think, well, Lord, no wonder you didn't answer that. I, I didn't need that. That was just something that I wanted and I thought was good and it was my good plan. But it would have damaged me in some way. Verse 3 in James chapter 4 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. There's times that we come to God, and when we're asking God to do things, instead of we're saying, God, do what you want to do in my life. God, help me to do what, get, put, let your will be worked out in my life. We're saying, God, here's my laundry list of the things I want. I want this, and I want that, and I want you to fix that person who's doing me wrong, and I want you to give me a big raise at work, and I want to get promoted instead of this person. I want a bigger house. I want all these things, God. Give it to me. If you love me, you'll give it to me. Yes. Have you ever told your kids no when they ask for something? Sure. I normally don't bring up old movies, but I was thinking, I, can't I was thinking about that old Christmas uh, movie, the, uh, the, I think Christmas Story. And he's asking for the Red Ryder BB gun. And what does his mom say? You're not getting that because you'll shoot your eye out. Boy, it just breaks it. He ends up getting it. But sometimes God says no because he knows that, the, he knows that there's a wasp or no. He knows that there is a, what in the world in this February is a wasp or doing it here? So be careful. Uh, so we know sometimes we ask amiss. Amen. So if somebody slaps at that, make sure you don't amiss. So, 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 Lord, kill that thing. Get out of here. 
Okay, so let's let's try to get her focused, and Lord, don't, let, Lord, let it hit the ceiling, and stay up there. So the the, the Lord being on a, a praying in a miss. Sometimes we struggle in our own life, and we aren't looking for what God wants in our life. We're more concerned with what we want. The, when this prayer, this verse is talking about you ask a miss. Let me paint you a picture. How many has ever? target practice before you've ever had a beep i remember going to 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 4-h camp in school and i was so excited because we were going to do it was called like rifle or something it was target right and i was we was going to use rifles and they switched to bb guns my goodness was i heartbroken because i went because i were going to shoot rifles at the target as a, and i was in over here in the elementary school and i was so excited we we're going to shoot rifles and it turned out to be just an old bb gun but many times, and, and I remember maybe even with my bow and arrow days, and I was dangerous. And I trust me, I was pretty dangerous. My brother can tell you all about that. But, uh, but we would, you would get, as many of you all that know, if you ever had a BB gun or a, a bow and arrow or you got a gun or whatever, maybe it's deer season coming up, you, you, you get a big old target. You need to make sure that that gun's going to shoot straight. I used to take guns and go over to my grandmother's uh, uh, farm when she had it uh, before she passed away. And, and uh, they had a, she had a big farm, and I would uh, set my sights to get everything kind of zeroed in on target practice. And so, then I'd, so then I could go hunting, and I knew that I was going to be able to be accurate. But a target is, is a big old round. If you know what I'm talking about, you see this picture of a big target that you shoot at, and that's what you're trying to hit. And, and, and it's got big old rings, different, like, uh, different colors. But right in the very center is a small circle, big red target. And that's, what's that called? That's the bullseye. That's what you really want to hit. Now, at the ambulance service, we had a big dartboard. And it had a big dartboard with a bullseye and all those rings. And let me tell you something. I, I, we had to kind of get that out of that room because these people were so horrible, we had more holes around the outside of that frame than we did in the bullseye or anywhere on the target because people were, they were hitting a miss. They weren't even hitting the target. They were missing the target completely, and they were hitting the wall. That's the type of prayers many times he's talking about here. You ask things that's a miss. You don't even hit the target. You don't get anywhere near. You know what the center of that bullseye is? The perfect will of God in your life. Let me tell you, let me tell you where it says, talks about that. Romans 12, 2 tells us about that, uh, that's that center, that bullseye. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing. Change the way you think that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Bullseye. There is a bullseye of God's will for your life, and that should be what we're aiming for. That should be the way we pray. That should be what we desire. That should, who we, should be who we want to become, is that we fall into the exact perfect will. Because you know why? That's where God's blessings is the greatest. That's where God pours himself on you and does things in you more than any other places. When you say, God, not my will, as the Lord said, but thine be done. Lord, my life is your life. And so we need to ask God. Don't let us ask things that's going to be something we use upon ourselves, but we ask for your will to be done. Balaam was someone who looked at this, and Balaam's the one who fell into this trap. Balaam was asked by the king of Moab to pray, and he was going to get paid big money. 
He was going to get blessings for the king. He's going to pour out blessings on him if you'll just curse those people yeah. of God. And so Balaam wanted to do it. He wanted the sure. blessings from the king instead of the blessings from God. And every time he tried to do it, what happened? God wouldn't let him. He said, no, I ain't gonna get, I'm not going to let you do that. Why? First of all, that's not my will for your life, and it sure ain't my will for my people. I'm going to bless those people, and you're trying to curse them for your yeah. own carnal desires. We see that, that Balaam had to learn the hard way that it took a donkey to finally get his eyes straightened up to where he would be able to understand that he's getting ready to go into eternity because why? His heart is carnal. He's looking for his own self oh, yeah. instead of listening to a holy God. So we need to realize carnal things can keep us from here. Two more. Number five, and this one's a big one, is unbelief. Yeah. Unbelief. When we pray, we need to believe yeah. that not only that God can do it, but God has the ability and will do it. When we pray for these needs, and sometimes, hey, listen, if you're like me, sometimes you struggle. Yeah. It's easy to pray, God, uh, uh, God help, help my granddaughter when she's got a cold. Help her, Lord. Heal. You can believe that. But when you have to believe for some big need, when you have to believe for something that's huge, and if God doesn't intervene, that it's going to be, you're going to be in trouble, that gets a little harder. We, get, we worry about those big ones. Yeah. James chapter 1, 6 and 7 tells us about that. It says, but let him ask, talking about prayer, in faith, faith. nothing wavering, yeah. up and down. Up, I believe it. No, I don't. I believe it. No, I don't. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Yes. For let that, not that man think he shall receive anything, anything. of the Lord. You're not going to get anything. No. God says you need to put your faith. You know how you do that? You, you, Peter figured this one out. He yes. found it out. He could tell you. He could give you a whole sermon on this. He, when he put, you don't put your eyes on the way. You have to put your eyes on Jesus, the Master. And all of a sudden, then you're not struggling with faith because you're not looking at the problem. You're looking at the solution. Lord, you came through. Just like Patricia talking about. Lord, I know you can do it. Why? You did it before. You did it to mom. You did it to dad. We didn't get, it. We didn't get a 411 when that was going on. But you came through at the right time. You came through and did a mighty work. And so we realize this, this is so important. Why? Because faith is the central theme, the central requirement of the good news of Jesus Christ. You will not have anything from God without faith. You do not get saved without faith in Jesus Christ. You can think He's good and all this kind of stuff, but unless you come to that altar and you realize with tears in your eyes, I know I can't do it and I'm coming to the one who can, and you realize who is at that altar and it's the Lord and you are broken, that's how we get saved because we have to say, Lord, I believe you can change me. And all of a sudden, you all that's been saved, and I hope everyone in here tonight has been, you realize that He does a mighty work. We can't have the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything without faith. Listen, do you have to have huge faith? Let me ask that question. So we need faith, and it's wrong. God, it shuts God's prayer when we ask God, and we're trembling because we don't think He can do it. God, I, I don't think you can do it, but if you, you know, maybe you can. No, no, no. God says, you know what Jesus asked him, said, do you, do you, do you think I can do it? Do you, do you have faith that I can do it? And so we see that, do you have to have huge faith? No, in fact, Scripture tells us that, and Jesus says this. Says, he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. Why did he use a mustard seed as an example? It's the smallest seed of the herb that there is. It's tiny, teeny, tiny. Yeah. 
But it's also, when it's fully grown, it's massive. It's a tree. It's a big, it's a tree. And, and, it, and what, so he's not saying that you have, have massive faith. He just says you have to have a little faith. You have to have a, what does that mean? You all that, that, do, that, that plant seed, you have, to, you have to have faith, by the way, to plant seed. You have to. You have to. Because you take something you do have, and you dig a hole, and you put it in. And you bury it over. And you put water on it. And where you think the seed was. And the only thing you have left to show for it is mud. There's a muddy spot. And there's nothing there. And for many days, I remember coming back a few times when we tried to do a little garden or grow some. And I, 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 I struggle with patience. And I'd come back day after day, and I'm like, there ain't nothing thing that seed was a dud nothing's gonna happen boy have i wasted my time faith you gotta have faith to plant a seed but if you keep coming back you keep watering you keep doing it all of a sudden one day you're gonna come back you're gonna get a surprise there's gonna be a little bitty green sprig little bitty leaf just peeking its little little arm out through the dirt through the crack and you're like is that is that a weed or is that is that what i is that my corn or what is that and all of a sudden you realize oh i can tell by the shape of that that's a little bitty one but it, oh, that little bitty seed is now showing a little bitty sprout and all of a sudden woo, it's not done yet but you see the fruit of your faith and it's talking about this, this mustard seed and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it says that this seed becomes so powerful that birds is, is lodged in its branches you mean that little bitty seed that almost I couldn't even hardly see in my hand is now become, wow, what did it take? Faith, a little bit of faith. And so he's asking us to put our confidence in him. Don't trust in anything you do. Realize, Lord, if, and just like that man says, Lord, help mine unbelief. Help me, Lord. Give me at least enough to get. Because he says if you have that kind of faith, that little seed, you can tell a mountain, cast into the sea, and it's done. My goodness, how powerful that is. And here's the last one. Okay, good news, last one. Number six, out of our six reasons or things that will hinder your prayers, that unrepentant sin, unforgiveness, prayerlessness, carnal motives, unbelief, and here's the most dangerous one, the one that is so prevalent and the one that costs a lot of people pride. It's a big one. It's a big one. If you don't watch it, it'll get you. He tells us about pride in Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And this is the Lord. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand, pray standing in the synagogues in the corner of the streets, seeing that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But be ye not therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And so it's talking about here is don't come before God with pride. No one has ever gotten saved coming to the altar with their chest held high and saying, Lord, you're just so lucky to get me. You're just so lucky that I finally am coming down here. Everybody look, here I come. No, 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 no. If you were like me, I found me a spot and I didn't lift my head up without snot and tears and everything else all over the altar because I knew I was unworthy. And if he touched me, it wasn't because of me. 
And I could remember all the trespasses. I could remember all the things that I did. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm unworthy to even be here. Lord, I don't even deserve you being here. And if you don't save me, that's what I deserve. And God wants us to come before Him and He doesn't want us to come like that Pharisee who stands there before God and He's beating on His chest and He says, look at me and thank God I'm not like this publican, this sinner and God think that I give my tithes and I do. He gives us that example of that publican who's beating on his breast and He wants everyone to think, boy, there's a holy man. No, no, no. There's a proud man. There's a proud man. And what does Scripture say? That man will go home the same way he left. In fact, he, went, he will go home and God will have pushed him back even farther from his presence. But you look over at the man that was the, the publican who come and it says he couldn't even lift his head above the floor. And he's looking to God and saying, Lord, I'm not worthy of you. I'm a sinner and I'm unworthy. And he's crying and he's weeping before God. And he tells that that man will leave changed and that man will leave uh, different than where he came in. Amen. Amen. Either Steve is shouting back there or he's got, the, he's got the varmint. Okay, you all can relax now. Amen. The devil is dead. Okay. There is, uh, there is this is one of the most powerful and proper. Let me tell you something else, pride. Let me tell you some things that pride has done and pride will do in your life. It'll block your prayers. Pride will. You know, God can't. In fact, it's one of the abominations. Pride is an abomination the pride, God looks at that as just like He did in altar worship. Yeah. In these false gods, God looks at pride. It's the very thing that casts Satan out of hell. Pride is what caused Satan his heavenly home. Pride is what caused David to call out for Bathsheba. Pride is what called, oh, caused old Nebuchadnezzar to spend seven years as a wild animal in the field. Pride is what will cause us not to come to the altar. Sometimes we, if we don't watch, pride keeps us from coming to God when we feel Him drawing us. We don't want to see. My, my old pastor was talking about when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he didn't want to get embarrassed. You ever been there? You don't want, to get, you don't want anybody to see you cry. You don't want anybody to see you cry or pressing in. If it takes a little while, and everybody's looking at you and afraid. And so he, he went and he lived down the street from the, he was a teenager and he went home from church. The altar service was done and he was praying for the Holy Spirit and some of the other young people stayed and he went home. He was miserable. He got home and he said he realized that he needed to stay there and he finally just felt so convicted that he needed to keep praying for the Holy Ghost. He called back to the church and someone asked and said, he said, is somebody still there that's praying? Because I was thinking I need to come back. And they said, absolutely. They're still praying. The altar, come on. So he got back and so he was determined that he didn't want to do it in front of everybody. And he told him, says, now I want to pray, but I don't want to pray in front of everybody else. I want to go over here in the Sunday school room because he's afraid somebody's going, he's going to shout or do something and everybody's going to laugh at him because he's real you know, meek and stuff. And so he didn't want to get embarrassed. So, uh, so one man met him at the door and he took him off in the side Sunday school room. Well, word got out that he was praying for the Holy Spirit in the side room. And he got praying. He got praying pretty hard, man. That guy was praying. Before you knew it, a couple more people's in there praying. And before you knew it, he didn't realize it, but the whole church had moved into the Sunday school room. Wonderful. So they, and they were just praying for him. He said when he finally got the Holy Spirit, he said exactly what he was afraid of is exactly what happened, but he didn't care anymore. Right. He said all of a sudden he rolled all over that room. He had his shirt jerked out. He, he mopped the floor up with every dust bunny in the, in the bedroom or in that room. He cleaned up when he was shouting and speaking in tongues and the whole church was standing right there in the little room looking down at him. Wonderful. 
Why? What was his struggle? Pride. And if he'd listened to that, he would have never got the blessing that God had for him. Don't let the enemy keep you out of the altar with pride. It's not admirable. It's, it, when, don't let pride keep you from what God has for you. Pride is what will keep you from coming to the altar. It will keep you from pursuing the Holy Spirit. And pride is one of the most powerful tools that the enemy used to keep us from the blessings that God has in our lives. God hates pride. He rejects it every time. But at the same time, God hates pride. But he loves humility. God loves humility. Oh, he is drawn to humility like a magnet. It's something that God loves. Hallelujah. And it says that we, when we call out on God and we humble ourselves before God, he will come running to us every time. That hypocrite is looking at, at everybody and they want everybody to see and think there's something. But the one that's humble before God is the one that says, God, I'm not worthy of anything of you. If you touch me, it's not because I'm worthy. And God will come pour himself out upon that person. Amen. It's not because of who you are. It's because of how we come before God. And we want God to move in our church. We want God to move in our families. We want God to move in our nation. And the only if you look at that scripture that I've quoted so many times, humility is the key. If my people which are called by my name. So listen, you've got to stop leaving. You look at that verse right there. When the people that's called by my name, there is potential there. There is promises that God has made to his people. But they rejected God and now sin has caused the blessings of God to stop. And that's the reason these verses was given. Now there has been judgment brought on the land. Now there's been pestilence brought in the land when this verse is given. And, and, and Solomon asked God to, if, if they turn their back on him and, and if they sin. And, and he already knows if we do that, you're going to pull your spirit away. You're not going to bless. You're going to cause there to be judgment, whatever. God, if that happens, if we pray towards you and we humble ourselves before you, will you hear? Will you heal? Will you do the work? And God's answer, and this is God's answer to that. If my people, which are called by my name, will what? Humble themselves. You don't get to the prayer. You don't get to the blessing. You don't get to anything if you don't get past that one word, humility, humble ourselves. Right. Don't be ashamed to get in the presence of God and crying out and for someone else to see you cry. No, let me tell you something. That looks like weakness in the physical, but it is power in the spiritual. God blesses every time. So in our church, we are pushing forward in prayer. So these things, whatever, there's more. But if these things, if God has put a finger on any of these things in our life, now's the time to get them out. Now's the time to say, God, I don't want you to be hindered in my prayer. God, I want powerful prayer. I want to see God move. I want to see the blessing of God in my life. And so God move and work in these situations so that this church can move forward. Because that's what it's going to take is when this church can get to the place that we're calling out on God and we believe Him and we're hungry for Him and we're feeling Him and His Spirit's moving and the Holy Ghost is poured out and people are getting the blessing they're looking for. People are speaking in other tongues. People are seeing the mighty move of God and God's able to have His way to our life. Don't be satisfied where we are. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not satisfied. I'm never going to be satisfied. I want more and more. And it starts being able to pray and touch God. So I'm encouraging you in prayer. Look into the things. Make sure there's not a hindrance in your life. Maybe something I didn't say tonight. God's put a finger. God always does that. If there's something that's not right, He always puts a little finger on it. He makes you feel a little uneasy. He makes you question some things. Let me tell you the easy thing to do. Just get rid of it. Whatever it is. Whatever's that list. Get rid of it. 
and just let God have His way in your life. Amen? We want God to move. We don't want our prayers hindered. We want our prayers enhanced. We want our prayers answered. We want our prayers to come before a holy God because He's able to answer. And that's what we need and that's what our nation needs. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tonight, let's stand and let's ask God to search us. Let's ask God to remove anything He wants to have His way in our heart and life. And let's ask God, Lord, God, get away all the things in our lives that's hindering anything. God, let us move to a greater desire to see You move. And God, that our prayers would be able to go, go to Your throne room and You would be able to answer them. God, that You would have Your way in, in our lives and in our church. Let's ask Him right now and thank Him. Almighty God, God, we come and Lord, we thank you, Lord, that God, you want to pour out your blessings. God, you want to hear the cry of your people. God, you want to show them, Lord, that prayer is exactly what they've been looking for. Lord, the answer to these situations is prayer. God, the answer for a nation is prayer. God, the answer for our families is prayer. God, the answer, Lord, for the situations we're struggling with, it's prayer, Almighty God. And the enemy wants to cheat God's people from the blessings of prayer. And, oh God, I pray that you would search, God, that your spirit would be poured out, that God, a spotlight, Lord, God would deal, and God, whatever's in our hearts and lives, God, we would surrender it to you, that you would be able to move and work. And God, your spirit would be able to be poured out. God, that there would be such a hunger, God, in your people, that God, we would be amazed at how people are coming to pray. That we'd be amazed at the tears, God. We'd be amazed at the powerful cry that goes forth. Because, God, you're the answer. Jesus, it is you, Lord. It is you that we come before. It is you that we put our confidence in. Lord, don't let a thing get inside of us that keeps us away from you. But, God, that you would pour out your spirit and your power. God, that we would want powerful prayer. God, that we would want to please you. That, God, we would want you to have your way in our life. God, that we wouldn't ask amiss. But, God, we would be right down the center. And, God, asking you to have your way. Almighty God, do a work. God, let us not be quiet. God, let us not be content. Almighty God, but let us hunger for the mighty miracle working power of God. Oh Lord, because it's available to those who hunger and God, those who desire you.